I'm Jakob Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about cybersecurity. We're chatting about shortcomings in company cyber strategy. We're doing, we're also talking about what companies should expect from their cybersecurity deployment and what companies can do to enhance um, their security environment. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how AI can enhance your cybersecurity. I'm joined by Yashmita Bana from the CEO of Nika Technologies. Yashmita, welcome. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me here, Yaku. Thank you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, first of all, I'm the CEO of the Nika Technology Group. I think I define myself as an entrepreneur before I even define myself as a mother, to be okay. honest. Yeah. Uh, and we've been in business for over 14 years now, having moved from managed services, analytics, and now one of our big service offerings is cybersecurity. Okay, excellent. So then, so then let's jump in straight to that. So what does cybersecurity mean in your world? How- Cybersecurity, I think we need to demystify what it means. You know, for me, it really is putting down some tech, some processes, some measures in place to make sure that your networks, your appliances, uh, your cloud, everything is secure. You know, it's, it's a, it's a way to ensure that hackers, that malicious hackers actually, because we need to distinguish between the two types of hackers, ethical and unethical, uh, is not able to get into your security posture of your organization. So, on a basic level, that's what it is. So, um, so you know, we operate uh, a lot in a small to medium enterprise space, and um, I think there's a if you if you're a business owner or entrepreneur, not in a tech space, it's very hard to keep up with technology. So, so they always have this IT guy that I talk about, <laughs> um, and there's still a lot of perception. If if uh, I've got antivirus on my on my PC or my laptop, then I, I'm okay. Yeah. And you know, I mean, I like to get back to how significant small to medium businesses are in South Africa. I mean, I think the number is something like 47% of the workforce is SMMEs. Uh, 20%, I think 21%, we contribute to the GDP of the country. That's a significant portion. And no matter how big or small you are, your data is an important uh, driver of your business. It's a business imperative. So yes. whether you are a SME or a large corporate, you need to have that awareness of how important your data is. If you look at a large organization like a bank, we recently looked at a bank. They have over 100 security products. Now think about that. Anything between 15 and 100 security products to protect your environment. That's a significant wow. amount that you need to to put an antivirus is maybe just one of what you need and the biggest thing i think we forget is social engineering and social engineering is uh, us as human beings being able to be manipulated to do certain things so if you look at hackers now if you look at what happened at uh, transnet and the 38 other entities that were hacked in august just in south africa alone a lot of 38 in august just in just in August. That we know about. That we know about, yeah. yes. I mean, South Africa is the 38th most hacked country in the world out of 196 countries. Jeez. We're very high up there in terms of vulnerabilities. So if you look at social engineering as an issue, what hackers do is they they 
they troll the web. I mean, I was contacted by the Illuminati. I mean, lucky me, I was contacted by wow. the Illuminati. Is that good or bad? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> so what they did was uh, they obviously troll the web and say, here's a potential high net worth individual. And then they spin a story, and that's where the hook comes in. And they said, you know, we can potentially put you in this elite club and get into this billionaire, whatever, and so on. And then click on this link. And that's playing on somebody's emotion. And that's the biggest risk we have is social engineering because people are moved by emotion. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in the, in the security space, if we, if we talk about the environment, the perception that, um, antivirus and maybe a firewall is gonna, is gonna, uh, protect you is a, is a misnomer because the, the hackers out there, the people that want your money, let's, let's be real about mostly why people do it. Um, uh, they've got to find ways, ways around that. So I've got to find a mechanism where I can get you to let me in if I can, if I can say it like that. Yeah. And I mean, if you think about the, <clears throat> the internet, we were just talking about the web. There really is three internets. I mean, there's the surface internet that you and I know, and it's easily found through Google or whatever search engine you have. Then you have the deep internet, or I call it the deep web. And that's anything behind a firewall or anything that you can get through via, say, password protection. And, you know, that's typically an intranet, you know. But then you have the deep dark web. And that's where you have these guys sitting continuously thinking about how they can get into your environment, into your networks. So just having a simple antivirus is not going to help you. Just having a simple firewall is not going to help you. The other issue we sit with, Yaku, is I saw a scary stat the other day. We have a shortage of 3 million security, cybersecurity consultants, 3 million worldwide. That And the problem with that is as fast as we spewing out and training these guys is as fast as the unethical hackers are finding ways to, to hack. So you may never catch up. You're probably never yes, going to catch up. Yes. So which means you need something a little bit smarter. You need AI. You need a, a machine learning to be able to take away the mundane job of what a security analyst would do, you know? So um and before before we we move on to my next question I think the the probably the one of the biggest misnomers that that I encounter on a day-to-day basis coming back to the SME world is that people think because uh, I'm an SME who's going to who's going to want to hack me you know uh, everybody the minute they think about security they think about the banks and stuff like that yeah. But they, they, they keep on saying, oh, but, you know, I'm a small little accounting firm who's, who's gonna wanna hack me. But, uh, you know, we, uh, we know that you can even pay ransomware in a, in a Bitcoin. bit of a Bitcoin or of something exactly. like that. So it's a, it's an enterprise that wanna, that wanna take your money and, yeah. and any bit of money, uh, you know, will exactly. do. Exactly. And I, I always like to, uh, anything we do in our company, we, we like to thread it through to an, uh, a social impact. You know, that's like vitally important. That's the thread that runs through our company. Think about what's happened at Justice now, for instance, where they were hacked. And I I believe their systems are still not up and running as it should be. Mm. But the the social impact that you have with that is just that it's not that somebody has your data or that they're going to, they want to sell your data for Bitcoin or for cash. It's that there's a gogo somewhere sitting that 
uh, that isn't able to claim what she can claim because the data is now breached. So yeah. the impact that these things have are, is just not monetary. There's a huge social impact that we need to consider with all the hacking that that we're currently facing in in South Africa, especially. Okay, so let's so let's move on then to pre the AI discussion. What when you start talking to a customer, what what is it, what is your perception of what they really expect from the the cybersecurity uh, environment? And and what I'm trying to to get at is, do you think they understand what they should be wanting? You know what? There's a few buzzwords I think that they understand. So obviously things like penetration testing, they understand what that is. Vulnerability scanning, perhaps they understand. But there are differences between the two. Okay. Uh, and then sort of larger organizations say, we want a SOC. We want a security operation center. But if we look at those three things and what they are, I mean, vulnerability scanning is like almost a I would say a horizontal view of your organization. If I use an analogy like this building that we're sitting in now, we're doing a scan of this building and the window that's, that's across from us is a potential vulnerability. You know, we can, there's a potential hole here. The door is a bigger hole because it's open. You know, yeah. penetration testing for me is, uh, is an intentional uh, exploitation of the vulnerability. So can we can we just go back to that vulnerability vulnerability scanning because I love your analogy, um, and and it's a it's like you say it's a horizontal view at that snapshot in time. Yeah. So if you if you've done a vulnerability scan a year ago, uh, and it said you're okay, it doesn't mean you're okay today. It doesn't mean you're okay, and it, the same with penetration testing. Typically, c- customers would say, uh, em- "Come and employ us for." Penetration testing four times a year But the day that you do the penetration testing The very next day There's probably something A Trojan horse released And and bam, your systems are down And then you have something like a SOC Which is a security operation center And what is that? I mean, that is security analysts Deploying uh, network uh, devices You know, um, uh Privilege access management, uh, anything to protect your your environment, and then you have analysts sitting there 24 hours a day on a, a rotation basis, looking at all these logs, trying to understand these logs, and then you'll have hundreds and hundreds of false positives because you could have alerts coming in for the same issue countless times. So think about the masses and masses of data that is generated via the, the SOC. So you need a way to simplify all of that and make it easy and, and take away the need for somebody having to analyze all of this. Well, if we, if we go back to the, to the small business example, Whereas where, where I spend most of my time, and I think you, you well, you, you've got a, a big mix. Um, but, uh, a small business simply cannot afford or doesn't have the, 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 the bandwidth or the, or the finances to have a security operations center running with people in it, sitting looking at it. No. And, and, and quite frankly, um, I, I always use my small business example is I run an accounting firm. I'm, you know, I need to f- finish people's uh, financials and I deal with SARS and all that. I don't, I, I don't understand even what all of these security alerts, what it means. So I need a mechanism to, to yeah. give me peace of mind. But, uh, and, and that's maybe also part of the, 
the gap in the market is where where people almost don't even investigate, uh, you know, how to optimize their cybersecurity environment because they just think, well, it's too big and too expensive. And it doesn't need to be that way. I mean, there are tools. I mean, if we're coming back to the AI, there are very sophisticated tools that can be used that can do this for you, and at the same time, scan your environment, do your penetration testing, and give you a report in plain English that tells you this is where your holes are and this is how you need to fill your hole. So, and I mean, you you made this real now with. Um with a South African stat of, of 38 people just in, uh, or companies just in August. And like I said, that's what we know about. Yeah. Um, so I've got some stats and it's, um, it's American related, but I mean, we know, uh, like you say, we sit number 38 on the list. So, yeah. so we there, we can probably, we, we can there. probably draw it down. Um, where I saw that they said in 2021, the average cost of a data breach is now 4.24 million dollars. So that's the average cost, and 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 uh, you know that's a doesn't matter if you're small or large. That's what the, you know. That's what it can cost you. And what is that cost made up of? Because that is not necessarily the ransomware. Yes, it's probably the cost to find and remediate it as well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And we I actually want to jump into that. Mm-hmm. And then we've got what was interesting to me. They say the average cost of a healthcare breach. Is $9.23 million So it's more than double that of the, no- the normal thing And and again uh, Anybody in healthcare You can be a, a, a GP or a dentist Or a whatever it, it actually, you, you might again say You know, but you know, I just see patients Who's going to want to try and hack me uh, And here the stats tells us the, the cost of an incident like that is, is almost double Unless you have organs to sell <laughs> uh, Sims. Uh, and then, uh, like they say, uh, they also say the number of breaches are up nine percent from from the previous year, and we know the work from home phenomena has contributed yeah. to that. Yeah. It's just made the security landscape a, a lot more um, uh, uh, complicated. And they say the number of uh, attack-related compromises um, is up. 27% from 2020 And they say phishing and ransomware Are the two most predominant uh, uh, Activities So we uh, We haven't really uh, Touched on that Can we talk about what phishing and ransomware what, what what does that mean If I'm now sitting in my accounting practice And listening to this So phishing I mean it's really what I, 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 it's, it's coming back to what I said earlier About social engineering You know it's it's those emails That we get on a daily basis to saying you could have an email the other day I got an email from Standard Bank that looked exactly like a Standard Bank email because I'm a Standard Bank client yeah. but if you look really carefully it, it said Standards Bank .co.za and those little small little things is what they do in order to hook in click, click on, on a link here. add your yes l- put in your name post, and your password bank, yeah. and, and okay. there goes all your money out of your account and that's really what phishing is okay. and ransomware really basically I mean it's it's holding your data and your information to ransom for some or other gain that's really what it is those stats are so fascinating to me I mean one of the uh, stats I saw the other day which is quite interesting is IBM's latest security report I think it's just been released it takes something like 287 days to find and contain a data breach 
And that's an incredibly high number. That's like nine months. So you could have some it, it or other Trojan horse running around in your environment and you don't even know. And it. everything looks normal. Yes, yes. That's it. And I think that's also where AI uh, comes into play because the point of it is to be continuously monitoring your your network. It's really fascinating how breaches happen as well. I mean, it's making me think, your numbers there is also making me think about why it's going up. It's because mobile devices as well are yes. more and more vulnerable. I don't know if you've recently seen the case about the Al Jazeera reporter and um, an activist, a Saudi activist. Uh, they found a Pegasus um, spyware on their phones because obviously, I mean, the Saudi government was, was, was doing what they're doing. And uh, that was on his mobile device. So there was... Some vulnerability in the iOS uh, system, the Apple iOS system, and I think Apple has just recently uh, released an update to fix that vulnerability. So think about mobile devices, any sort of endpoint devices, any endpoint device. You know, your your aircon here could be connected to the internet. The most fascinating case I've seen is in the last two years. There was a, a casino somewhere in the States, unnamed casino, and there was a thermostat in a fish tank that was connected to the Internet. It's the most fascinating case. And uh, hackers were able to hack the thermostat and via the thermostat extract data about high rollers at the casino, draw it up back into the cloud and use that information to target these high rollers. That is how how clever how smart these hackers are. Think about your printers that's connected. Even a small business, think about your printers. Your printers are connected to the Internet, easily hackable. Think about your IP phones connected to the Internet, yeah. easily hackable. The The printer case that we know about is these um, hackers were able to hack the printer and actually read off some of the work that was printed. So think about your confidential documents, especially if you're in the legal profession. Well, I, w- I was uh, listening to a podcast the other day on how um, North Korea um, hacked a, a, a state bank of uh, of uh, Pakistan. Yeah. Um, and, and that was why this printer somewhere in some back and and it was a, a beautiful mix between the social engineering component yeah and in the and in the real hardcore type hacking because they started uh, uh on linkedin this anonymous type person well, well it's, it's it's obviously a persona but it wasn't a real person yeah. that person in applied for a job at the bank there's that and in the hacked the printer on a public holiday when they knew nobody was going to – and in, from there they basically gave an instruction to the reserve, uh, the reserve uh, you know, the nat- uh, federal exchange in the States yeah. and say transfer X amount of billion dollars or something like that. Um, it's just just fascinating to, to to listen to, and what was interesting for me now in, in terms of how we speak, uh, you know, how we have different perceptions where it's understandable for people to say, uh, if I'm on my PC, I can be hacked, but but the mobile phone is something different. But it's uh, it's just it's just another computer. Yeah. And and like you say, you know, we worry about my IT guy might tell me, oh, but you've got antivirus on your on your um, PC. Although we know that's not going to help you for any of the stuff that we're talking about. But the mobile phone, nobody worries about that. Think so about we've got your like home. A, 
Yes. Think about yeah. your home. I mean, th- apparently there's 104 possible ways in which to hack your home. I mean, one of my guys, Kamal, the other day wrote a very funny post on LinkedIn about the smart air fryer. Because you can control oh. some of these new smart air fryers, you that can control this morning, yeah. <laughs> via a cell phone. <laughs> and he said something about uh, something about samosas or something. I, I can't quite remember, but that is connected to your internet, your smart fridge, your smart uh, electricity meter. Every little thing that is connected to the internet is it's un is hackable. It's it's mind-boggling, but it's also very fascinating for me. V- very much so. Yeah. Okay. So now, so so let's talk about uh, the AI or artificial component to that. What does that bring into the mix now? Because we, I think we've identified there's a there's a, a the the potential to get hacked or the 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 security mountain almost seems a little bit insurmountable. Um, so what, what, let's talk about AI. What does that bring into the mix? So the whole point of AI, as you know, is to not take over, but to help humans or supplement in in any sort of repeatable tasks. Hopefully, I mean, we're going to start talking about AI ethics, which is another whole another topic, but that's what it's supposed to do. So if you okay. think about what a security analyst typically needs to do, uh, and considering that we have a 3 million, ren- 3 million uh, shortage worldwide, uh, it means... The, an AI engine can basically take over the need to constantly be watching the networks. A- and that's what it brings into the picture. You have a, a, a very smart machine that's qu- constantly trolling your networks, looking at all your endpoint devices and finding those vulnerabilities. Uh, the tools that we employ actually do the penetration testing and then tell you what what needs to be done to fix it. So On a regular basis, obviously. Constantly, 24-7, uh, 24 by 7, 365 days a year. That's what the job of the AI is, to constantly be monitoring the engine. Because remember, as soon as we find something, there's a hacker on the dark web that's developed something new. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So in order for us to keep up with that constant uh, development of new Trojan horses, you need an AI to to. To, uh, to stop that Or at least to find it I don't think we'll ever stop it Honestly speaking Yeah But at least to find it Much quicker And I think it speaks To that stat about uh, uh, It takes 287 days To typically find And contain a data breach Yes Now the time What AI does It significantly reduces That time To find that data breach To probably less than a week As soon as it understands Your security posture The other thing The, the AI engine does is you've given as a security analyst you've given it uh, you you have a certain mandate this is uh, yakusho unbundle.co.za and my job is to look at any vulnerabilities at unbundle.co.za but you need an engine so you may have an e-commerce platform linked to your to your website and your security analyst is not going to say, let me go and now look at how my integration ah. to uh, this e-commerce platform is going to uh, harm us. Because this is what's happened before. There was a, There's a case of an e-commerce store. Uh, the engine basically said, okay... Uh, it understood that it was an e-commerce platform, but we didn't tell it it was it was such. And it is it because it's an e-commerce platform. They must be an, a payment sort of payment gateway linked to it. It then decided, let me go and see if I can buy goods on this e-commerce platform. 
and it was stopped by whatever uh, measures were put in place, you know. And then it said, wait a minute, let me now go and understand how this payment gateway works. So it go, it went and read up on the internet everything it could find and it figured out that there was a certain number that needed to be passed back to the e-commerce platform in order to buy the goods. And it did that. And then it ended up buying goods. Not a person, an AI machine. machine bought goods. That's so amazing. the power of the AI is it goes also beyond your ma- mandate. It looks at third-party integration to just what you've been given. Think about okay. the 38 um, uh, it mostly government departments that have been hacked in August in South Africa. It started with Transnet. And then it went on to justice. But because justice is linked to so many departments in the security cluster, all of them were affected as well. So that's the whole point of the AI, to make sure that your entire landscape is 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 overseen. You know? And that and that's where, where this um, artificial, uh, you, you know, the AI, I, I, I think we can almost call it, it's almost like a virtual person. Yeah. But uh, the beauty around that is, is um, it doesn't need to rest. So it, rest. it can sit there 24-7 and just try. And, and we know when human uh, humans have to do repetitive tasks, even in security, at some point in time we learn some form of pattern and there's going to be gaps where the AI um, can't get uh, a Complacent or lazy, it will it will keep on looking at, at everything. And it's also the rate at which it's it's learning. So no, you and no. I, especially at the age we are at, we probably learns very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> but <Wow>. uh, <laughs> but an AI engine learns constantly. It's constantly. Uh, Taking on information, uh, building hypothesis, and then building, uh, you know, a solution around the hypothesis. So that's the other thing that it learns very quickly, and then it builds solutions around its learning. And I think for me, uh, again, the thing is, in larger organisations, um, uh, you, you know, I want to. Make a decision on the type of technology or whatever, and then I don't want change. You know, I, uh, we, we want to put it in and, and leave it. But like you said, you know, the the game moves so fast. Um, if I'm in a small business and I entrust my environment to some form of IT guy, uh, it's like you say, you know, he spreads so thin. Can he learn quickly enough to to know it? So so uh, for me, and I say it often uh, in in a in a small small to medium enterprise space, people manage uh, by crowd. Crisis, not not by prevention, if we want to call it that. So yeah. I love the fact that um, uh, all of a sudden, because it's a machine, we now democratize this high-level security uh, technology that's normally available to the to the guys with very very deep pockets. Exactly, exactly. Okay, second last question I want to ask you. So if if I'm now sitting uh, in my accounting firm and I listen to this and 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 I understand risk and I don't want to uh, I don't understand any of the technology stuff, but I understand risk and I've now I think I I need this. Where do I start? Start with me. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> I think um there is a plethora of tools out there, but because you, you've just made the point about not understanding, you don't want something where you need to do the monitoring. You don't want something where you need to run continuous updates. You also don't, you also want something at the level that you are at as an SME level that's affordable. Yes. You know, so if you look at the, 
uh, a typical penetration testing uh, contract? You're looking at, I'm talking dollar rates now, you're, talk, you're looking at about $50,000 for every sort of penetration test that you do, and that's four times a year, right? That's $200,000. Dollars, yeah. Right, for a year of penetration testing and you're still gonna miss stuff. You still yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. So you you actually need a, a very affordable twenty four seven AI generated power uh, tool that you can just put onto your network both internal and uh, external and it runs constantly without you even worrying about it and then it gives you automatically alerts so if there's an issue and this tool should reduce false positives as much as possible then you you are alerted you know based on how when how often you want to alert considering it's a small business it shouldn't be it doesn't have to be that often but then you can get alerted whenever you want. And that's really what you, what you want. You want to, that to be taken care of because you have to do what you need to do with your core business. Do you want to, you, uh, you know, if I can sort of regurgitate some of the words that we've used earlier, you want to assess what the, we, what the state of your network is at the moment. And I think, you, have, you, have you ever done an assessment for a customer and found nothing? No. Yeah. So we recently did an assessment for a large financial uh, institution, and um, with the hundreds of tools that they have available, hundreds of tools, and uh, I almost saw it as a challenge as well because I knew this uh, this corporate had every possible uh, tool that they could have, and the most advanced as well. And we found a vulnerability, and it was a system that they had forgotten about that was still exposed to the internet, and one DDoS, and it was gone. So there is, I, I would like to take on that bet, but I don't think there'll be any any uh, uh, company out there that we will not find a vulnerability oh. on. And I think it's also bringing us to the point of what zero trust is. You know, uh, there's a, the whole talk about what zero trust and zero trust is, although it sounds very bad, it's basically not trusting anybody internal or external. It's a basically a security architecture that says whether you are internal or external, you must be authenticated in some way. So if I think about yeah. a small business, for internal people, a small business must make sure that they have multi-factor authentication for whatever they want to uh, do inside, you know, fingerprint, uh, passwords, whatever it is. But multi-factor authentication is a layer that you can at least put in place yes, as a small yes. business. Education and training is another really big thing because it takes away the whole social engineering thing. Uh a, a tool that can take away the need for you to have to constantly be watching your network, you know, at least an AI power generated tool and some sort of like a DR needs to be put in place. You know, as SMMEs, we forget that when we lose our data, where does it go? Uh, what is DR? Just for, uh, just for, for Yaku in the accounting firm? <laughs> it's disaster recovery. If I lose my data here, where am I going to find it? Is it somewhere ah. in the cloud? Is it on some other device? I mean, I was speaking to a legal firm the other day and they were on to do a SharePoint implementation. So I said, okay, cool. Where are your files? Oh, it's just on that external hard drive sitting in somebody's drawer. Yeah. Yeah. There's still a lot of that. A lot. A lot. I've been to government departments where servers sit on fridges in kitchens. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and to me it comes back to again uh everybody while well, we were joking about it earlier about uh about Africa, but everybody in South Africa understands uh before I go to bed at night I'm gonna close my windows and lock my doors and 
you know, if you have an alarm, switch it on or whatever. Everybody understands that they're not going to leave the front door open. I think because small businesses think it's only big guys that's going to get hacked. You know, they're a bit more lackadaisy about it, but uh, it, it applies to everybody. everybody. And and I think what what the technology that you're talking about has brought to 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 the forefront is it's now it's now. Accessible and relatively easy for number one, for us to understand what is the state of my environment. And sometimes, you know, you know, just the, that mere thought, I think sometimes lets people just file 13 it. I, I can't. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to get such a big, uh, skrik here. I'm not, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then, and then, like you say, then, and then, Put it on because because what we ultimately want is we want peace of mind. Exactly. I, I want to know on an ongoing basis there's there's something or something looking after me. Yes, exactly. And SMMEs particularly, I mean, you don't have lots of cash sitting around as well. Yeah. Your cash flow is a big issue in an SMME. And so, if you do lose data and information, think about the impact it has on you as a business. You know, typically, especially now over the last two years with the virus, more and more small businesses are struggling to keep pace. Now you go and lose your data and you have to get cash to come in you know to to try and get yourself back on your feet any day lost in the life of an smme is potentially loss of a of a client so you've got to think about the 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 impact that not protecting your assets have your security assets and your network has on your business it becomes a business imperative if you think about king and governance now um Security, poppy, anything that related was never even thought about before. And yeah. now it sits at a board level and, and you discuss it, at, you discuss security, you discuss cybersecurity, you discuss data breaches and so at board level. So it becomes a business imperative. So I, I always say, um, Every, every business understands the, uh, the money that sits in petty cash and you can count it and you can see if it balances or not. And data is almost that, uh, data is almost similar because if, if it gets stolen, it's, it's going to cost you money. It's going to impact the business. Exactly. And it, it can kill it. Mm. Thank you very much for that. I've got a, uh, I've got an unrelated, uh, related question, oh. but, uh, yeah, I think for the, <laughs> for the AI and the security component, I think we had a, we had a lovely discussion. Mm. I want to ask you one last question. Sure. Um, because of your, the passion and what it is that you guys do uh, What is this Take for, go- for good initiative That that you are running Okay So, so um, We have a foundation That we support It's actually It was uh, Founded in my daughter's name My daughter has special needs She has Down syndrome Okay And uh, Since she's been born My biggest driver Has been um, How do we bring in or develop technology that can enable kids with special needs. But then it grew into other things, enabling um, children in in totality with with digital skills. So the tech for good is one of it is uh, enablement of kids at a basic education level okay. with um, or tech skills. And we do this in partnership with a company in Cape Town that develop IoT devices. And what, what we do with the devices is almost like a Lego kit. We wow. uh, give it to schools and they were able to build IoT-enabled devices like a soil measuring device, an atmospheric measuring device. One of those devices has actually gone into space as well. And then it teaches the kids a basic programming language. Um, and focusing, obviously, on kids and schools that are uh, in areas that are underprivileged. Oh, I love that. So, and I mean, uh, you, you know, we spoke about SMEs. I mean, one of the th- one of the things that we're not short of is 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 probably 
probably people and 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 ideas, uh, and if, if tech is a is a mechanism for us to make that exportable. So, yeah. so I love that idea. That's and I I firmly believe, Yaka. I'm sure you have the same sentiment as me. You know, we often think that we need to look outside the boundaries of South Africa for talent, but I firmly believe that we have talent in South Africa. We just need to nurture it. I constantly tell my sons that the cure for cancer is sitting in a kid in a rural hut somewhere in South Africa, and I firmly believe that. So I, as, as Nika and as the foundation, we feel like our job is to find those, those hidden talents somewhere in South Africa and nurture it. I love that. Thank mm. you very much for that. Thanks, Yaku. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember, you can listen to all of the podcasts on the Cliff Central Apple website. Um, and then for added convenience, you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And if you're looking for uh, help or more information around communication tools for your business, make sure to visit catalytic.co.za.